0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions. I'll be your host for this one, and it's a good one. Today I'm going to be chatting with Todd Klauser, brand marketer at Refine Labs. We're gonna be covering everything from Todd's approach to TikTok, how he thinks about creating content to drive brand, and a very interesting take on the role of the SDR. So Todd, welcome to the show. Hi all, and welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions. Excited today to be joined by Todd Takauza. Um, he, you actually put on your LinkedIn profile that you are a brand marketer at Refine Labs, but beyond that, a street marketer, a TikTok connoisseur, and a YouTube aficionado. So, um, going to be digging into some of that um, a little bit later on. So, yeah, over to you, Todd. Could be great if you could um, introduce yourselves and let us know what you do at Refine Labs.
1: Yeah, so um, as a brand marketer at Refine Labs, my I was brought on to help launch TikTok. Um, I've been kind of championing that with my personal content, but I'm also responsible for Refine Labs content um, as well as YouTube. So we're we've already kind of figured out LinkedIn and podcast. My my point for coming on the team was helping expand to to other channels. So that's what I've been up to.
0: Cool. Amazing. And just to understand a bit more like street marketer, is that, um, yeah. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Cause I'm intrigued.
1: So, um, it's interesting. My, my background comes from, uh, I, I come from a manufacturing from the, the welding and fabrication industry and my my background was actually in youtube before i i came into saas and somebody when i was when i was going through an interview and and kind of telling them about my experience in in growing youtube and social media channels um they they kind of said like oh so you're you kind of remind me of like a, a street marketer um and the the way that i took that was um there have been like these, these like rules or like boundaries that have kind of been set up for, for marketers for so long. Um, And ever since I I started doing marketing professionally, it's been kind of the, the opposite. Like my, my first soiree in the marketing was building a YouTube channel from scratch. And then we did the, you know, linked or I'm not not LinkedIn, I'm sorry. Um, Facebook and then Instagram. And it was always like these, these down and dirty um educational pieces that were meant for the the end user. Um so I think when at least when when I think street marketer, I I kind of think like no rules kind of like getting down and dirty with your marketing.
0: Amazing. Actually, really nicely brings us on to kind of the next part that we want to cover. I mean Unless you've been hiding under a rock, if you're listening to Revenue Champions, then you definitely know that um, I'm a big fan of everything that Refine Labs do and their philosophy and methodology. We're also now a customer of theirs. Um, but just a bit of background, I guess, for any new listeners as well. Um, obviously, the big kind of the big shift that's being um, sort of touted mo- around B two B marketing in general, but definitely like led the way with Refine Labs is kind of moving away from traditional lead generation methods and focusing on demand generation, creating demand over capturing demand. Um, And yeah, at Cognizant, that's kind of everything we're trying to do as well. Um, And you said before that kind of as a demand gen marketer, there's nothing more heartbreaking than being forced to do lead gen. So I guess just to dive into that a bit more, can you kind of explain this approach to our audience and kind of how you came to that realization?
1: So when I... My first role out of out of college um was as an s d r and we we didn't call it an s d r like it was a marketing title but the the job function was the same um My role was to basically call up people and for that job i was i was pretty much trying to source like their personal information for our website. This was way back in two thousand eleven um before like scraping and stuff. So for me like I I saw like I I lived the life of like trying to call on leads that didn't want to talk to me all day every day um and it was it was something that I was I was really not good at like I Is anyone <laughs> Yeah yeah I I don't know if anybody is um but yeah it was it was something that just weighed on me. I did it for about six months and it got to the point where it was like, okay, I either need to figure out a better way to, you know, get people to, to, to take the action. I'm trying to get them to take, or I'm going to quit and and try to find something else. And, um, I wasn't in the position to, to leave my job and, and go try and find something else. Um, but luckily, I was in a position where the the project that I was working on was kind of like the the CEO's pet project. And I I was the only the only you know, real hire like in the company at the time. So they kind of gave me the freedom to figure it out. Um, so what I did was, um, I decided, well, let's let's try to make a, a YouTube channel and we'll put out this educational content. And like we'll just we'll see what happens. And what ended up happening was uh, we we partnered with a subject matter expert. And what we found was quickly found was the content that we were putting out actually had like way more way more value than than what even the original business model for for his idea was. So like we saw how impactful that educating the audience was to, to kind of like bringing them in. And we ended up shifting the, the whole, the whole, um, company to kind of go away from what we were originally doing, which was like a a directory style website way back when, um, to be more of like one of the first, at least in our industries, like it, it became more of like an influencer model. Um, And and we just became like an educational resource for people. Um, And and that's kind of how I saw the value of like creating demand through education versus just trying to call on people that didn't know who I was or didn't want to hear from me.
0: Amazing. And that actually, I guess, leads nicely onto the next piece, because with creating demand, um, I mean, I guess the big thing for me and when I think about this is it's all about getting... Um, the best possible content in front of your audience all of the time, as repeatedly as possible. And kind of leading into that is the fact that not everybody consumes content in the same way. And there's multiple channels in which you can get in front of your audience um, and you'll get a different part of your audience by using more channels. Um, So yeah, I think if anyone hasn't seen your content, it's pretty fair to say that you're the best B2B marketer out there doing TikTok, I would say, um, and, I also
1: LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> and also LinkedIn content right now. So um, obviously that's the role at Refine Labs as you described it earlier. Um, but how have you gone about, I guess, exploring TikTok as a channel, um, finding ways for it to work for you guys? Like what's that process look like and how, yeah, how's it going?
1: So for me in in exploring TikTok. So I think it's important to say like prior to me starting my my personal profile, um, when I joined Refine Labs, I had run several TikTok accounts uh, in the past, but none that had been like my face. So it was using subject matter experts or user generated content or things like that where I didn't have to um, be on camera. So for me, um, when I came to Refine Labs, I kind of knew, at least from the um, the Refine Labs content, not so much the the Chris Walker content. But my goal with the Refine Labs account was to kind of showcase the the overall knowledge of the entire team, and then obviously Chris Walker has has a very um, like in tune way of creating content and, and pumping out his own content, um, but I kind of knew that I had to champion that uh, with my personal content for the rest of the team because even when I started at Refine, um, my my opinion was, you know, TikTok is more for escaping the education. It's kind of like this entertainment platform. Uh, And I was skeptical to whether like B2B education content would even work. Um, and also that being said, like I had never created personal account on uh, personal content on video myself. So like I started off by just kind of repurposing my text posts on LinkedIn into video content to kind of test the platform. And as I started testing my own content and then going out and basically auditing all of these these you know successful accounts outside of B2B um i found like a a couple of of unlocks that i thought would translate very well over to B2B um and for me one of those huge unlocks was like creating a series like i think most people can um they can like associate with if they're on LinkedIn, like kind of waking up in the morning and not knowing what they're going to post about. And they kind of have to like figure it out. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the big unlocks for me was like in creating these series, I have like three regular series that I do often that I can, I can pick a topic and then I can plug that topic into each series and I can put them out like one after the other. And like, let's, I'll use like the example of like um, most of my content's entertainment. I like to like poke fun at at industry stereotypes and stuff. So let's say I'm poking fun at like pitch slapping somebody in in DMs. Um, I can take that message and I can plug it into each one of my series and each one will perform just as well as the previous did and I get to I get to reinforce that message while telling it three different times um and, and kind of the the reason i'm I'm saying this is because like my goal is to figure it out as best I can so then I can go back to the the people that I've kind of identified as other champions internally so I can teach them how to do it and then they create their personal account and by by People seeing other people winning, very much like Chris Walker did with with LinkedIn content. Like everybody at Refined Labs, not everybody, but a huge majority of people at Refined Labs post LinkedIn content on a regular basis because they see how successful Chris is. I'm trying to to emulate that same thing and then teach people internally how to do TikTok, so we can have that that same thing that we have on LinkedIn on TikTok. And yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of went on I a, a, no, no, a no, no. so I don't know if I answered the original question or not, but.
0: Well, I guess like to summarize right now, if you were to say like, if someone was going to go out and um, give TikTok a go as someone trying to make it work for them from a B2B perspective, what would be the three things that you would tell them to do and how to approach it? Because it sounds to me like fun over education. Um, a series Um, and then maybe there's a third but
1: no I think I think that's and maybe I explained that bad that was my initial with the with the fun over education that was kind of my initial prejudice going into it Um, as the as the platform matures so does the content that's coming out on that platform um, and I think there's there's tons of examples of people that are putting out mainly uh, educational content that are doing extremely well. And mm-hmm. I think I think what makes TikTok so great is for a lot of people it's difficult to produce regular long form content. So like if I want to do a YouTube channel or if I want to do a podcast, like that's a heavier lift to have that longer form piece of content that I can then chop down, especially like if, I, if I'm if i an individual contributor and I've got all this other stuff that I have to do as well. The beauty of TikTok is they make it so easy to share and all these other platforms are trying to take advantage of what TikTok is doing. So TikTok content performs so well on All these other platforms, whether it's Instagram, YouTube Shorts, LinkedIn, even though LinkedIn doesn't have like a native TikTok feature, when you're scrolling through LinkedIn, you see a a vertical video and like you're, you're, you just stop because on like a, on a predominantly like text platform, it's, you know, it's a, it's a relatively boring platform. When you see vertical video, there's just like an authenticity about it that gets people to stop. Um, so the, the three things that I would say getting started is one, the, the content that you, that you post in the beginning is, is very important. So, um, I don't, I don't know this number to be exact, but like I'll ballpark it and say like your first six to 10 posts are, are very important. They have the, the highest probability of, going viral we'll say and then because tiktok is is they don't know who you are they don't know what your content is so they're they're putting it out to all these different places to see where it's going to work and if it works it becomes easier to to succeed in in future content so my my first piece of advice would be um figure out like what you want to do before you just go out and start posting videos. I tell people like go through the, if you're not already on the platform, go through it and audit like 10 to 15 accounts that like you think just the content is really, really good, whether that's educational or um, entertainment or whatever. If you see something specifically longer content that like it grabs you and, and keeps you the whole way through, go to that person's profile and like spend 30 minutes and just watch a bunch of their content and see what it is that they do and how they do it, that that kept you so engaged. Um, and as you do that with like 10 to 15 to 20 different accounts, you start to like uncover different. And this is, this is partially how I uncovered that series unlock. Um, you start to unlock these different things that like people do to hold your attention. And if you can hold people's attention, that's how you win on the platform because the the biggest thing on that platform is watch time and and getting people to your to your actual profile. So that would be like my biggest my biggest piece of advice to people that are new is kind of before you just go into creating content, go into it with a plan.
0: Amazing. First six to 10 posts, auditing and then yeah, the watch time and profile views, super helpful. Um, I, okay, I've got a question now as well about your kind of your background We we touched on it at the beginning and I think this is really interesting. But um, you spoke a lot about brand evangelism before on LinkedIn and the idea of hiring a creator instead of an SDR. And I really like this topic. And I think it's an interesting one in terms of where that SDR role is going to move in the future. Um, But yeah, I wanted to like, to to kind of dig into what what for you makes a good brand evangelist um, and why do you think like it would be a good thing for companies to trial? I guess like how could you see that playing out in the future or if you even see it playing out right now?
1: I think what a lot of people overlook is the, the value in having a very large portion of your your company putting out content and i think a lot of a lot of companies want to get there they start these like brand evangelist programs internally that nobody seems to be super bought into because like for 99% of the people that that they're they're trying to get to post like they they're not really incentivized to do so um but when you have a lot of people that are putting out content and it doesn't have to be like brand messaging i think that's another mistake that a lot of companies make is like especially large companies when they're trying to put out these evangelist programs like you have one person writing content and everybody else is either supposed to share it or like say this in your own words or or whatever um I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think if you if you empower people to create content and incentivize them to do it, um, there's a there's this huge advantage. And like so many companies have this massive pool of people in the SDR role that are are talking to people every day. They're they're getting feedback from people that that a lot of other roles don't have the the access to, um, that they can they can do a reasonably well job of like of like getting those things out and creating content with it and with the with the the scale that most companies have in that role, like it's if you incentivize them to do it, it it gets your, your message out there or you know it's I don't know if I'm explaining this. No you're very explaining well.
0: it well. I think it's, I, I'm just thinking right now, I'm like, this is great. We have like a team of a hundred SDRs. Um, we also are fortunate in that we sell to salespeople. So not only are they on the phones every day talking to our ideal prospect, so that would be the case for any company, um, but they also are using our tool day-to-day and also they are our ideal prospect in a lot of ways. So it's like a perfect storm. However... I already know the pushback that I would get if I went to our sales manager said, Hey, got a great idea. An hour a day, please could I have, um, like SDRs to, to get stuck into LinkedIn and LinkedIn posting. Um, so I guess any, any ideas on how, how to combat that?
1: I think the, this is to me, the best way to go about doing anything like this is taking a, a small sample group. And like testing your theory on them so that you can so instead of instead of going to like the sales manager and saying can i have an hour of day an hour a day from our 100 sdrs maybe it's can i have an hour a day from five sdrs and i want to benchmark like where they were and then whatever that that time frame is let's say it's six months like you kind of like have these benchmarks and how they're doing. And then you can prove that, you know, putting out all this content has helped them be better in their own role. Because like what, what, what I think ends up happening is people start to build up like these personal brands and, and reputations, especially in, in a, in a role where, SDRs are selling to other salespeople. I mean, like you said, that's kind of the perfect storm. But like, what ends up happening is like you get a you get a call from somebody that you already know from LinkedIn. I'm less likely to hang up on that person or not answer or or come up with an excuse. Like when when I did this when I did this test, I I basically gave out my personal con uh, personal calendar invite on LinkedIn, and I did a hundred um 15 to 30 minute just like free consult sessions how to how to get started on tiktok and the first thing that i'm gonna say like a third of the people said before we even got started was like i feel like i already know you like there's not to sound like like pompous (laughs) or anything but like it's almost like that that celebrity effect like people like your content they they put you on like a on a a step above somebody else who they don't know
0: so it yes, gives you an edge in,
1: in doing that as well
0: yeah definitely makes sense cool that's that's helpful i might give it a go and report back in revenue champions in a later episode guys so keep keep tuned um i guess a question in terms of like how far would you take that would you suggest that companies looking to the future and kind of the changing landscape in terms of how we know buyers want to buy um and the role and value of content plays in a lot of that would you say that you could see like a world where rather than hiring SDRs like you might actually hire a team of creators um over doing more traditional kind of outbound methods yeah
1: i think i think that's where that's like the to me that's the ideal like where we're going right So that's me from like a from like a personal growth standpoint, like that's that's kind of my my trajectory. Like I started as an SDR. I realized how powerful content creation was and how much more powerful it was than just calling people. And and that's kind of like where I've gone full circle. I think the the industry as a whole is. Is on its way to seeing that same that same path. Because, you know, getting SDRs to create content is the first step. But ideally, like, and I don't I don't think it'll ever be, maybe it's some companies, I don't know that it's gonna be a hundred creators. But like if you have a a small team of people that their dedicated role is to creating really good content that creates affinity for your brand. That's super powerful. I mean, look at what Chris Walker has done with his content at Refine Labs. And I realize that like an SDR can't necessarily do what Chris Walker does, but like it's the, it's the first step in getting people to start creating content at the organization.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's exciting. Um, and then what are the most common things that you'd say companies get wrong when they're trying to build communities on social media and specifically LinkedIn? I mean, I think we've already kind of touched on it a little bit about this whole, um, I think people really call it, they call it like employee advocacy um, a lot of the time where they try to incentivize the company as a whole to kind of start posting on LinkedIn, but normally that's just resharing like branded content, etc. cetera. Um, but interested to hear yeah, your thoughts on, on where you see companies going wrong there.
1: I think that's the, that's the biggest one. Um, and I've, I've made that mistake myself. So like, I can, I can say that it doesn't work. Even if you get some people out there sharing, like your, your goal with your, with your with the employees or your teammates at your company in creating content is, you want them to essentially be like a you know a micro influencer. That's that's your end goal with with your team in creating content. You want them to have this really strong following of people, and when you curate the message for them you don't give them the ability to really like put their personality or their spin on it. Um, And, and what ends up happening is you get a bunch of people inside the company, liking everyone else's posts, but outside of that, nobody's, nobody's really engaging with it. Um, So I would say to get away from that, like you really have to, empower people to just create whatever the heck they want to. I mean even even coming to Refine Labs like this is this is I've told this to people internally like the stuff I put out on TikTok and and LinkedIn here like I've I would never have put this stuff out at at other companies I worked at. Just because like the culture that that we have here at Refine Labs is like test stuff like be yourself like I don't care what what you put out um just just kind of do you and I think a lot of a lot of companies can learn from that like they they want to push this specific message and if it's not that message like people get bent out of shape it's like just just let people do it
0: it's also like let people be people because I think it comes back to that whole thing of like B2B over versus B2B, B2C and ultimately I mean I've always said this like B2B is B2C because it is just a person the other end Um, but we kind of use the traditional kind of marketing and B2B was and still is sometimes still viewing it as something that's very different very corporate on brand yeah that kind of thing and actually it brings me on to my next question which um I think is a good one for people to understand I mean you kind of touched on it then but just to dig a bit deeper you say that you're kind of passionate about making ridiculous borderline observed content um interested to hear some of the craziest stuff you've made but also to understand how you're like getting the balance between attention grabbing um but relevant content in the, the b2b space because that is where we operate um and then it didn't sound like there really is any sort of approval process happening at Refine Labs. Um, But is there like a set of documentation, which is kind of a guardrails or is it just purely trust of individuals? Lot, I feel like I've given you a lot there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So I may ask you to, to repeat a couple of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. As far as the, as far as the last one goes, there's, there's no guardrails or, or anything like that. Like it's, it's 100% trust like i don't want to i don't want to speak for the the leadership at the company but i think i can say this with with confidence that like they hire people that they trust to put out whatever messaging that they feel is relevant and um i i don't know that i've never encountered it um, my assumption that is if I've never encountered it with kind of how like outside the box my content is I can probably safely say nobody else has ever encountered it um, where where it's like that's not really the the messaging that we're trying to put out like delete it or whatever like it just doesn't happen um, as far as like the the craziest content that I've put out and how I how I try to keep it relevant to like messaging. Mm. Um, What I try to do and this, this isn't the case in every single post, but I would say in like 90% of the posts that I put out, like there is a very real message underneath it. Um, You might have to kind of watch it once or twice to, to see what that message is. But Partially, one of the reasons that, that these videos do so well is because I'm delivering a message that's relevant to most B2B sales or marketing people. I just do it in a way that is really fun to watch. And yeah. it, it it just, it, it rings true to a lot of people. Um, so I think... For most people, like it doesn't even have to be entertainment. Like if you can find a way to connect with your audience that makes them want to go and share it with all their coworkers and, and friends that work in that industry, like to me, that's how, you know, that you've won in getting your message across. Like I could, I could create, you know, just random comedy videos that have nothing to do with my message, but like that doesn't achieve the purpose that I'm I'm trying to do with my with my content. So there's always some underlying message and like I said before, the beauty of of like how I put out content, I can put out the same exact message five times in a week and the fifth one will perform just as well as the first one because the delivery is so different, but the message is the exact same. Amazing. I think there's value in having that that repetition of your messaging too. Right. Like if I, if I do it, if I do a text post, that's the same messaging, just like written five different ways, you're you're probably going to see like diminishing returns as the, as the week goes on. But like with these entertaining videos, like I'm, I'm nailing that same message over and over and over again. And like, they, they just, sometimes they do better than the ones prior, you know, it just depends on, on, on the, the, the way it's delivered.
0: And I think that actually is also another obsession that B2B marketers we have, which is very dangerous, which is like create something once and then you put it into the world and that's it. There's no other, like you can't use that again. You can't repeat it again. We have this kind of completely false assumption that all of our mm-hmm. audience at the exact same time are on the exact same channel, and gonna see the message and be in exactly the position we want them to be in the funnel. And like all of that is untrue. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important lesson for us always to be thinking about as well. And then I wanted to talk about the content creation process because this is an interesting one. Um, Like how do you approach this? How far ahead are you creating your content? What's the turnaround time? Um, You've already touched on older content being recycled, but I guess that was more about message. So maybe like, do you recycle older content, older videos as well? Is there, um I guess, a method to that?
1: The only time I'll recycle videos, um, at least to this point, is on TikTok itself. Like, I will... I will maybe do like a separate edit that's a little bit shorter, or like cut out certain parts to make it more concise to see which one performs better. Just as like a a, a testing of my own content. Um, my my content creation process is is pretty simple. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of um, like batching a bunch of content. I think it's it's useful to a certain extent, but like and I've learned this myself. like when I used to create YouTube content, I would create I would create four months worth of content in a week and then use it up and then go do the same thing again. Um, I think when you when you batch content out so far, you you miss things that are relevant and you lose the ability to react to what your audience is telling you in the moment. Again, I think this is something that's that's so beautiful about TikTok is like someone can react to my video today and I can respond to it tomorrow or in some cases the same day. Um, so I, I have like a in my notes app, I have, you know, a, a huge list of like ideas of things that I want to do. And then usually like I'll create them the, the day before. Um, I'm, I'm trying to create every single day, um, for some people that's not possible. So like, maybe you got to set aside, you know, half a day on Monday to create like a week's worth of content. Um, but for me, it just, it, it works better for me and like my, my own creative, you know, the way that I do that, uh, it works better if I, if I just do it every day.
0: Amazing. And do you have any like result like when you were I guess going about this as a project or just generally when you you're pivoting away from your SDRing into this world like have you have there been resources that you've looked to which have been kind of must have and you'd recommend others looking at when they're trying to grow in the world of content?
1: Yeah the the one the one book that I read that that really changed a lot for me um, and I've talked about this quite a bit. Um, it's a book called primal branding by a guy named patrick hanlon and it it teaches you how to basically just like use your audience connect with your audience and and build like really tight community through relationships and responding to your audience essentially Um, and that's been a that's been a huge game changer i put a I put a post out maybe this was probably like a year ago but on on my my old YouTube channel like I put the the growth of the channel I think it was from like a subscriber level from like when I started to when I finished and I put like a little a little arrow where when I first read that book and like after I read that book I think it took us like five years to get like 50,000 subscribers and then after like really doing a lot of the things in there like it was it started doubling every single year so
0: amazing okay definitely one to read
1: um
0: and actually it's kind of nice it kind of brings us nicely onto measuring the success i guess of the initiative that you kind of you're going out there trying to achieve at refine labs in your role now do you measure things are you being tasked with reporting on what you're doing like how does that look
1: I mean I I I look at things. I wouldn't say that like I don't I don't go into detail into measuring like you know views or likes or anything like that. Obviously people know we use self-reported attribution to see where where pipeline comes from, so like that's obviously a measurement. My my biggest measurement that I that I look for when I put out videos like this is one is like in comments how many how many people are tagging like coworkers or friends or whatever like to me if somebody is tagging somebody else in my post that tells me that like it was good enough that they want to share with with um their friends and coworkers number 2 is after this is kind of, that's kind of like the the short term metric I look at the, the more medium term metric would be how many, how many times am I getting like tagged in other people's posts? Like what ends up happening when you, when you start talking about a topic like regularly is people you don't even know will start to tag you in other people's posts for like, Oh, Todd weigh in on this. Like, what are your thoughts on this? You'll, it'll start to show up in other people's posts so like that gives me a sense that like my my message is connecting with people outside my network um and then the the third one which is a longer term i guess um would be doing stuff like this like doing podcasts being asked to do like guest appearances on stuff like again it just it lets you know that your message is is being received so those are the those are the three things that like I, I look at over how many views is it getting, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, the meaningful stuff, amazing. And then how do you deal with, and maybe you don't have an issue with this, but I'm interested today with creative burnout, um, if you're constantly posting, so it's daily thing for you. Um, obviously you have the series unlock, so that's useful, that's helpful to give you some form of structure to it. but. Um yeah, is it something that you struggle with or you found good ways of of being able to deal with it?
1: I think one of the one of the biggest things that one of the biggest helps to this is um listening to your audience. So once you start creating content, I think burnout comes when you don't know what you're going to talk about. And it's like, I need to keep up. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, crap, what am I going to... It just, it it like mentally drains you when you don't know what you want to talk about and you feel like you, you got to like figure it out quick so you can put it out. What I've always done, even this is this is back prior to like before I was putting my myself on camera, um, and doing it with other subject matter experts is utilizing your audience to create those those ideas for you. So like in in what I do, like with the entertainment stuff, people will say like, you know, if I, one of the things that I do is like, I do if B2B, or if movies were about B2B, so like I'll one of the more popular ones I did was on the notebook. So when I put that one out, like I would have, I would have people saying like, Oh, do honey. I shrunk the kids or do star Wars or do. And when, when people give you all these ideas, it become it becomes much easier. I just take them down in my notes. I take who, who gave me the idea. And then when I create it, if it's something that somebody else asked me to do like one i give them credit like hey shout out to alice she asked me to do star wars so like i'm doing star wars and then like that that trains other people who are just seeing the content for the first time like oh that was funny that was clever uh i think it would be funny if he did x y or z like and then it, it kind of feeds that beast of people asking you to do stuff and when people when people are giving you the ideas coming up with them is just like it, it, it it's not difficult
0: and so would you say like you do spend a lot of time in platforms like with your audience looking for inspiration as well
1: yeah for sure like i i think if 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 you're going to all of the trouble to create content like you need to spend just as much time engaging with the people who you want to consume it that you then you did creating it. Um, so yeah, I think if you're not, if you're not talking with the people that you create content for, like there's, there's not a that's whole lot we- of, yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. That, that's, that's where the value is. So.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Amazing. Cool. Well, we, we're getting towards the end now. We've got our final two questions, which we always ask every guest. Um, So first ones first, what are the, um, the things that you would tell BT marketers to start, stop and continue doing today
1: to start, stop and continue doing? Yeah. Um, if you're not already creating content, I mean, that's, that's number one, whether it's TikTok, LinkedIn, wherever your, your is, um, start creating content, um, stop i feel like i'm i feel like i'm just uh um I'm, I'm talking on like the company line here although i promise you it's not for that reason like it's cuz i believe it myself but like stop with all like the the gated ebooks and and you know trying to 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 get the leads that way create demand where people are already spending their time um and continue I would say like always always be trying to innovate on what you're doing. So like for me um with with TikTok content, like I I talked about series, um I'm I'm always trying to like reintroduce new series and see what sticks and what people like. So like within your own content always be trying to innovate and and get to that next level.
0: Amazing. And then finally, if I um could through the camera, hand you ten thousand um US dollars to spend this month, how would you deploy that spend for the biggest impact?
1: Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um honestly if you gave me 10000 dollars that I could spend, what I would do is I would I would use it to get my my current organic content out to more and more people to grow my to grow my my network faster um, so you put it
0: in social to get a to more people
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean the the i think from a from a personal content perspective like if you're if you're if I had the ability to put money behind a lot of the content that I'm already creating, I, I absolutely would. Because the to me, like organic and and paid social, like they're they should be basically the, the same in my perspective. Like the the messaging's gonna be the same. Um and, and if I can get my if I can grow my organic reach faster by putting dollars behind it, then why not?
0: Amazing. Cool. But that's great. Thank you so much, Todd, for your time. And um, yeah, anyone who hasn't checked out all the amazing stuff it's doing on TikTok and LinkedIn and just generally from a content creation perspective, definitely recommend um, going across and having a look. Um, thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having me. This was awesome.